0: Now, today, I want to finish up from our series of messages from the book of Philippians. And today, we're going to look at verses 18 through 20 as we sum up this book in the last few sentences uh, that the Apostle Paul uh, writes to us. It's amazing to me how a man of God, who's been on mission with Christ for several years, uh, after three mission tours, after establishing several churches and planting those churches, has never lost his hope in Christ, even though he is under arrest, even though he is uh, uh, hungry, even though he is in great need, he is still rejoicing in the Lord. And his rejoicing in the Lord overflows in this great letter that we have. And so the, the themes that come out of this book are joy and re, re, rejoicing, uh, peace, peace that comes from that joy, and, uh, and a, a hope, hope that we have uh, through faith in the living God who loves us and provides for us in every walk of our life. And I pray that today as we end up this book of the Bible that you'll not forget this short book, but go back to it from time to time. Particularly when you're anxious, particularly when you're concerned and worried or burdened. And hear this man writing from prison about the joy that he has in the Lord. And today we want to read verses 18 through 20. He says in verse 18, I have received everything in full and have an abundance. A couple of things he's pointing to here. One is an offering that has been given by the church at Philippi to Paul. Uh, so that he can have means to live until, he, until he's executed. He knows that he's going to die. He knows he's going to live his life. Uh, Caesar Nero is not going to rule in his favor, and he, he, he knows that. What's interesting, though, is that Paul realizes that uh, he is living out this gospel of Jesus Christ that cannot be stopped. It cannot be hindered. Um, Nero will soon die after Paul's execution. But the very throne of Nero will be converted to Christianity in a period of hundreds of years. Paul has faith that the gospel will not end with his life, but that the gospel will continue on because he has been faithful to preach the gospel and is leaving that heritage with you and with me to keep proclaiming the gospel. In our darkest hour uh, in this world, it seems like uh, the world is trying to, and the, and the world is trying to stamp out the gospel. But God is going to accomplish what He said He was going to accomplish. He's going to do what He said He was going to do. Uh, the book of Acts, for example, that chronicles the life of the Apostle Paul, uh, Luke, who wrote that great book of the Bible, uses that one word at the end of that book to talk about the gospel. He uses the word unhindered. The gospel continued from Rome, unhindered. And even though Paul lost his life, it was not the end of the gospel. I need to remember what uh, one minister of education told me one time. He said, the work is more important than the worker. And I said, Harold, what what do you mean by by that? Harold Price is who that was. Harold said, well, think about it. The mission we have, the mission we've been assigned by God, Uh, we take that mission on, but it's not about us. It's about Christ. It's about the gospel. It's about God saving the lost world. And so the work is more important than the worker because the worker sacrifices everything in order for the work to, to continue. And so Paul, when he says, I've received everything in full, he's speaking about an offering that he's received, but he's also speaking about his personal relationship with Christ that, continues on unhindered. He said, I am aptly supplied, having received from Aphrodite what you have sent. It's a fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. Then he goes on to verse 19 and talks about the church at Philippi that is sacrificed on his behalf. And I've seen this happen in churches. I've seen churches more concerned about the mission offering than anything else in in the church, thinking that if we give so much money to missions, we won't have any money left to do what we need to do here at Akron. And I'm not using Akron as an example. I'm just saying that I've heard that in other churches. And I'll have you to know that when a church quits giving to missions, and when a church quits participating in missions, we will run dry. Our offerings will really run dry because God will not bless what we are doing here. But when we have a mission attitude that we give priority to, God supplies what we need to accomplish His work here at home as well. Think about that as you think about the next verse. My God will supply all your needs according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. The church at Philippi had given sacrificially for the mission work of Apostle Paul. And Paul is assuring them that they will not go lacking. You cannot outgive God. You just cannot outgive God. Because his riches and glory are greater than what we can, can, can give. And he is the one that is supplying the resources for his mission. God is the one with, with ultimate riches, supplying the resources to get his mission work done. Now, there are times when we use this verse of Scripture to apply to our own needs. We don't think about the church. We don't think about the mission of the church. We think about my needs. And we use this verse of Scripture to say, God's going to take care of me. Yes, He includes that. But in this passage of Scripture, Paul is speaking primarily to the mission of the church. And that as we are faithful and giving to missions in the church, God is faithful to supply our needs in this community as well. So don't let anybody talk you into this idea that if we give to missions, we won't have anything left for us to do around here. Hey, God is about the mission, and the mission is to go into all the world and preach the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and, lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And then he ends in verse 20 with a kind of uh, doxology, if you will. Um, Now to our God and Father, the glory forever and ever. Amen. So let's talk today about our all-sufficient God. How God really does supply our needs according to his riches and glory. One of the truths that comes out of this passage of Scripture, and there are just two I want to speak about today, is that God fills our need beyond our expectations. God took care of Paul beyond his expectations, and he's assuring us that God's going to take care of you and me beyond our expectations. But there's just one caveat. There's just one little caveat, and it's the word obey. When we obey God, He provides. When we disobey God, we don't have that assurance. It's in the obeying of our Lord. It's in the participation of the Gospel, of the mission of the Gospel, that God supplies our needs according to His riches and glory. Paul makes this case all throughout his writing to the churches And uh, one illustration is in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 8. And he says here, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. You may abound in being lazy. You may abound in doing nothing. You may abound in disobedience. No. You may abound in every good work. So it's in the ministry of the mission that God provides our needs. And when we trust Him for that, He does provide. There's a passage of Scripture back in the book of Exodus in chapter 6 I'd like to look at for just a moment. It's the period of time where Moses had been called of God with a mission. And his mission is to lead God's people out of Egypt, out of slavery, into, into, uh, into freedom, having gone into the, uh, toward the promised land. And God is making his, his promise, God is making a covenant with Moses. And that God is saying to Moses, uh, it may look impossible what I'm about to do. It, it may look improbable what I'm about to do. It may look like the, the, uh, the odds are stacked against you as to what I'm about to do. But let me make a covenant with you, Moses, as to what I am willing to do. In Exodus chapter 6, reading verses 6 to 8, The Lord says through Moses, Say therefore to the sons of Israel, I am the Lord. When I read that verse of scripture, I'm reminded of what Paul said to the church at Philippi in this verse of scripture. And my God, he said, my God shall supply your needs according to his riches in glory. Folks, it's the Lord our God Almighty whose voice when he speaks will move heaven's armies to accomplish what God wants to get done. That's the God we serve. We don't serve a God who's beyond the galaxies and disinterested in what's going on in our life and in the world. We serve a God who has come into our world, transformed our world through faith in His Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Lord. And it's the same God that rescued the children of Israel from slavery in Egypt. It is this this powerful God who works the impossible in order to accomplish what He wants to do. Listen to how many times God promises, I will, I will, I will. Say therefore to the sons of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will deliver you from their bondage. I will also redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. Then I will take you from, for my people, And I will be your God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God, who brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will bring you to the land which I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And I will give it to you for a possession, because I am the Lord. I am God. That's the same God we worship today the God that moved Israel from uh, slavery to freedom, the God that delivered them is the God that's delivering us as well, well in this dark world in which we live. Never give up on the promises of God to be the light and hope in this dark and lost world. And I think a lot of Christians have given up on what God can do, how God can change families, how God can change lives we've just kind of given over to the bad news of our time. We hear how Satan has a stronghold in so many uh, ideas and thoughts in the m- marketplace. and We just kind of throw up our hands and say, well, you know, the world's going to hell and the world's just going to be you know, destroyed. Well, yes, it is. But the power of God in our world is the same powerful God that was at work in the deliverance of God's people in Egypt as well. There is no addiction that cannot be overcome except through the power of the resurrected Christ. There is no hidden sin that cannot be removed and destroyed in a person's life that entangles us and brings us back down that cannot be overcome through the power of the resurrected Christ. There is no hopeless situation in any relationship whether it be a friendship or a marriage, that God cannot repair because of His Son and our Savior, Jesus the Christ. That's the God we serve. And He is the God who wants to deliver beyond what we ask or what we think. Cast all your anxieties on Him, uh, Peter said, because He does care for you. Last Sunday, and I've had a lot of uh, unexpected response Uh, good responses, though, about the message I preached last Sunday and talking about this very issue. As I spoke about anxiety last Sunday, I spoke about the the temptation we have to compare ourselves to other people. And uh, when we do that, we're trying to satisfy this inner critic that's in us that's saying, you're no good, you'll never be worth anything. No matter what you do, nobody's going to respect you. Uh, You'll never amount to much. That's that inner critic that we've been carrying with us all of our life. And to overcome that, we seem to mount up this kind of uh, control of the world and take control of our situation so much that we live in constant anxiety. And I appreciate those of you who have given me feedback. So I thought I'd share once again these five indicators that that it's time to let God be God in our life. Uh, This anxiety shows up when we have a need to control when we have the need to control. And what we need to say to this inner critic that we have in us is to say that Jesus died to set me free from the need to control all the outcomes of the world. Folks, it'll just drive you crazy if you're trying to control all the outcomes in your life. There comes a time when you've got to trust that God is in control of the outcome. Uh, the passage that I wanted to read just a while ago talked about the, um, in chapter 6, Uh, it's it's how the people of Israel responded when when Moses said to them uh, this covenant with God. And uh, so Moses spoke to these things, these promises, this covenant to the sons of Israel. But he said they did not listen. The people of Israel did not listen. They did not listen to Moses because, or rather on account of, their despondency and the cruel bondage That they were under. What that says to me is if you translate that to modern days, there are times we don't hear this powerful assurance that my God will supply your needs according to his riches and glory. There are many times that we really don't hear that because we too are covered over, almost buried beneath the worries and concerns of just making a living just trying to get through life, just trying to do well in in this life, just trying to get through the the problems and the controversies that we face, sometimes we can just get buried. We can just feel like we're buried with this and and, uh, idea that we face more than God can change. But the truth is, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Those are Paul's words from chapter 4, verse uh, 13, here in this book. And and I think what I'm trying to say to to you today is is just this truth. Have courage. Have courage. Step forward and begin to do the right thing. Instead of being dictated by fear, instead of being dictated by worry, instead of being dictated by the negative of this world, step forward and do the right thing. And when you're doing the right thing, God is wanting to bless you. God is wanting to provide for you because He is a God of righteousness. He is a God of justice. He is a God of compassion. He is a God of love. And God loves you. And whatever you're facing, do what pleases God. And don't listen to the inner critic. Don't listen to the negativity of this world. Don't listen to the people who think Satan's got control of the world and there's nothing we can do about it. So anxiety shows up in the form um, that we spoke of here, of the need to be in control. Anxiety shows up when we have the need to be perfect. The need to be perfect. You know, perfection is the enemy of good. Perfection is the enemy of good. And uh, when God made the world, he didn't say it was perfect. He said it was good. When God created light, he said it was good. When God created the firmament of the heavens, God said it was good. Uh, When God created the plants and the animals, he said it was good. And when God created you and me, he said it is very good, very good. The only thing God did not say was good was that man should be alone, that we should be isolated, that we should be to ourselves, that we should hide from others, but rather we were meant for relationship. We were meant for relationship. And when we serve a true and living God, when we make decisions based upon His goodness, His righteousness, His justice, our relationships become even healthier in in our life. Christ died on the cross so I don't have to be in control. Christ died on the cross so I don't have to be um, perfect. I can't be perfect. And uh, it's an elusive goal. You'll you'll never reach it. Christ also died on the cross so I don't have to have the answer for everything. And uh, being a young pastor, uh, having my education from Southern, um, now you all got to understand, I grew up in a small town smaller than, smaller than Ekron. Our school was not near as big as Ekron Elementary School over here, but we had like 190 students grade 1 through 12. Um, My middle brother, when he graduated, there were 6 in his class, and when I graduated, there was 12. So, you can imagine how big our school was. And you can imagine how much education we missed out on. Now, we had a good time. And I, I made mostly A's and one, one, one or two B's, but when I came, when it got time for me to take my entrance exam to get into college, I scored so low they wouldn't even give me a government loan. I, that's true. That's true. We don't believe they. T- the financial aid officer said, "We we just don't think you can do college-level work." Well, I'd been working in the plywood mill after school during my senior year from 3 to 11, I'd saved up a little money, and it cost me $450 for summer school. Now that was 125 for tuition, and the rest was, uh, you know, the dorm and the meal ticket and all of that. And, they, and I said, well, if I pay for the first semester, will you give me a loan for the fall semester? Oh, yeah, but you got to make a C. Got to have a C average. Well, I had, had one B and the rest were A's that, that summer, taking 12 hours during summer school. So here I am going through, you know, trying to get by, trying to, trying to move on in the world. And uh, here I go uh, up to seminary in Louisville in a Volkswagen and three sacks of clothes. I mean, literally, paper sacks of clothes. Didn't even have a, a suitcase. And, uh, and I arrive, and uh, a lot of the students there went to these Baptist colleges in their, in their states. And, and when they drove up, they had a U-Haul trailer. You know, and they had TVs, and they had radios, and all that kind of stuff. So I was kind of, you know, kind of shy, you know, uh, trying to make my way through that crowd. And uh, so as time went on, I finally finished. And uh, God provided for me. It, you know, I got close to not making it, but I, I, I made it, got through with it. And I got to be kind of proud of myself. You know, I finished high school, Victoria. I went through college. I made it two and a half years, just sailed through just so I could get through. went through seminary, paid for it myself, didn't know anybody when when I graduated. And I felt like I had some answers. I had studied under the best professors of Southern Seminary that Southern Baptists had to offer. And uh, when I got to my first church down in Louisiana, um, uh, there was a man there named Virgil, and Virgil Um, drove the delivery truck for the pharmacy in town uh, out to the rural area and uh, that's what he did for a living. So I went by to visit and introduce myself. Well, the church I was at, the pastor prior to me was Dr. Poe and he was a real PhD kind of guy and he had graduated Southern Seminary, was a Southern Baptist uh, missionary to Africa at one time. Uh, He... um, he would uh, preach on the weekends and help these country churches get, you know, strengthened and grow, and he had been at this church, and, and they had grown, and I was their first full-time pa- pastor. So here I'm full of myself, <coughs> graduating s- seminary. I arrive, and I meet Brother Virgil, and I go to Virgil's house, and we just had sweet fellowship with, with each other, and, and I headed back out to my car. And I was, I, was, I was headed back out to my car. He said to Brother Curry, I just want you to know something. I said, what's that, Virgil? He said, well, he said, that Dr. Poe. You know, when they start criticizing the past pastor, the last pastor, you've got to kind of question all this. He said, now that Dr. Poe. said, Dr. Poe, he was educated and all. He said, Brother Curry, you just like us. <laughs> Thank you, Virgil, I I think. And I'll, I'll never forget that. I always thought I had the answers, and I don't have the answers, and I don't have to have the answers. God provides the answers. What I need to do is listen for what He wants to do in every situation. And that has helped me to lower my anxiety in such a way that I'm more dependent on God If I don't have the answers, God does. And a lot of the answers I think I have, God has a better answer. And if I depend upon Him, He will reveal what decisions need to be made. So that takes the pressure off of me. And it's not all up to me. And and filthily, and this has plagued me all my life, because Christ died on the cross, I don't have to have everybody's approval. And, and that has really helped me to establish the fact that I'm a human being just like everybody else. And God loves me. And I trust that. And He supplies that need I have to be needed. All of you have that. All of you have that. And we're looking for it in some way. Because we are at home in relationships. We are at home in healthy relationships. God meets these needs in our life as we seek His presence and power at work in us. He loves you more than you love yourself. He knows you better than you know yourself. In fact, He's closer to you than you are to yourself. So He fills our needs beyond our expectations. Also, He is God-sufficient to fulfill his purposes in our world beyond our understanding <clears throat> can you believe <clears throat> and there is um, there is evidence for this now more so than ever that christianity is growing at, at an explosive rate in south america anywhere south of the equator is the new movement of growth in the church as more and more people come to Christ as Savior and Lord. God is moving in a, in a way that we have not anticipated, and God is bringing about a completion of his mission in the world that everybody have the opportunity to hear of Christ as our Savior and our Lord. So how are we to live? How are we to live? Well, number one, we are not to fret. We are to resist fretting and instead choose patience. Choose patience. The Bible says in Psalm 37, be still in the presence of the Lord, wait patiently for him to act. And don't worry about evil people who prosper or fret about their wicked schemes. Folks, there's a lot of wick wickedness on the world, but Christ is still on the throne. And he is Lord and He is Savior. Secondly, be strong and take courage. Be strong and take courage to do what is righteous, to do what is just, to do what is compassionate, to do what brings glory and honor unto God. And when you do that, you begin to enjoy the riches of his grace that give you that give to you the abundant life. The Bible says in Psalm 27, wait patiently for the Lord. Wait patiently for the Lord In 2 Corinthians, Paul would write these light, momentary afflictions that he calls it is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. In other words, eternity is coming. It's appointed unto man once to die, and after death, the judgment. And because of the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ and our faith in Him, we will be awarded the crown of life that God has prepared for us. And folks, that day is coming. Don't give up. Don't quit. Don't stop. Don't be discouraged. Take courage in the resurrected Christ. And I pray that during this Advent season that you'll light a candle at your house too. And that you'll have some spiritual, some spiritual reminder that Christ is the light that has come into the world. Next Sunday, I'll begin a series from the Gospel of John, and we'll preach through John for a couple of months. And John is always emphasizing to us how God has broken into this dark world. And that really continues the theme that Paul set forward in this book of Philippians, that God has brought light into this dark world. Have you confessed Him as your Savior and your Lord? Have you trusted Him to forgive you of sin and give you eternal life? Uh, Maybe you've made that decision at home, but you've not yet been baptized. Maybe you've made that decision at some other time in your life, but you've not yet been baptized. Well, today is the day when you need to confess that decision to the church and follow through in believer's baptism because that will hold you back from growing in Christ. That will hold you back from um, enjoying the blessings uh, that are abundant in our relationship with holy God and other people as well. So I pray that you'll come forward. Uh, if you desire to unite with our church from the Sister Church, we invite you to come as well. Uh, let's stand together, let's sing our invitation song, and you come while we sing. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to make adjustment in our life in a way that will bring glory to God. And I pray, Lord, you'll move during this invitation time through your Holy Spirit, that we will not discount your abundance for us, but that we will receive through obedience all that you desire for us. Not for our personal prosperity, but for the prosperity of the gospel. That Jesus be exalted and the gospel go forward through how we live, through how we obey the Lord. And maybe we during this invitation time make that one correction in our life take that one step it's not out of reach but we take that one step that says this will please the Lord in Christ's name we pray amen you've been listening to the Sunday morning worship service of the Ekron Baptist Church you too can accept the eternal life offered by Jesus Christ first admit that you are a sinner then believe that Jesus Christ can forgive you of your sins and ask him to come into your heart and change your life then confess your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. If you've made this decision today, write to us at the Ekron Baptist Church, 2775 Hayesville Road, Ekron, Kentucky, 40117. If you're looking for a church home, we invite you to be a part of our growing family with programs and Bible studies for all ages. Join us next Sunday at 11 a.m. for morning worship from the Ekron Baptist Church. Until that time, may God bless.